Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter Do Death. Hello, Phoebe. How are you? Hi, Dad. I'm all right. I've got a bit of a cold, but I'm okay. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I know. Standard Toby bringing germs back from From... somewhere. Yeah. Passing them around the family. Passing them around the family. Yes. It's been a few weeks, to be fair, since you've had a cold, so... I've almost forgotten what it was like. It, uh, did you enjoy the weekend? Yes. Loved watching Eurovision. Very pleased that we came second. But I'm kind of taking it that we won, to be fair, because <laughs> we won the judges' vote. Ukraine yeah. only won because they're Ukraine. So um... <laughs> At this, at this I, uh, time, yes. I, I take it that we won. And uh, yeah, I was very, very proud of Sam Ryder for his well done, Sam Ryder. Yes, performance. <laughs> it was a good performance. It's a good song, and he did well. And did. I was just thrilled the, the countries that gave us deux points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> France, Germany, Sweden, Ukraine themselves. Crazy. Yeah. It was really, Crazy. really quite a different sort of at night to recent yeah. Eurovisions. So uh, yeah, now the decision yeah. where to hold next year's. I know. I know. My uh, well, our other favourite was uh, Norway. Oh yeah, we've been listening to that on repeat. <laughs> Toby's new favourite song, and was a big fan of Finland as well. And the Rasmus was a big fan of the Rasmus back in the day. So it's nice to see them back out again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> even though they must be really quite old now. And <laughs> in their forties. Yeah, really old. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it was it was a great night's entertainment, and uh, yeah, glad you enjoyed it. And it wasn't too late at night for you. No, I kind of crashed out halfway through the judges' votes, so I had to. But I figured I'd, I'd be awake relatively soon afterwards, anyway. So I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be too long before I uh, found out what <laughs> what the what the score was. <laughs> I'm uh, tempted to watch that film again that um, was on Netflix about yeah. was it Iceland going to Eurovision? The one with Will Ferrell. With Will Ferrell, yeah, that's a great film. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, the one that actually great. Yeah, might have to watch that. So, anyway, Dad, let's talk true crime. So, let's do that tonight. I'm going to tell you the story of the Papine sisters. So, Christine and Leia Papine were born in Le Mans, France, to Clemence Dare and Gustave Papine in the early 1900s. The sisters didn't come from the best family. Whilst Clemence first started dating Gustave, it was rumoured that she had been having an affair with her employer. Very soon after, she became pregnant um, and Gustave decided to marry her in October 1901. And five months later, they gave she gave birth to their first daughter, Amelia. And it was never known whether it was Gustave's child or the employer's child <laughs> suspecting that Clemence was having an affair with her employer mm-hmm. Gustav found a new job in another city and announced that the family were going to move and Clemence declared that she'd rather take her own life than leave Le Mans and the marriage deteriorated with Gustav starting to drink heavily um, but they you know they stayed together for whatever yeah. reason not the basis of a of a happy home life Their second daughter, Christine, was born on March the 8th, 1905. However, Clemence was considered to not be a very good mother. She wasn't very nurturing. She was quite unsuitable for motherhood. 
So Christine was given to her paternal aunt and uncle not long after she was born. She lived very happily with them for seven years. And then Clemence's last daughter, Leia, was born on the 15th of September, 1911, and then almost immediately given to her maternal uncle, with whom she remained with until he died. Okay. In 1912, when Amelia was nine or ten, so she was the only daughter who was still living with Clemence and Gustave, it was alleged that Gustave raped her. Instead of protecting her daughter, Clemence believed that Amelia had seduced her father, uh, aged 10, and sent her to the Bon Pasteur Catholic Orphanage, which was known for its brutality and discipline, which is a pretty horrific thing to do, I think. (laughs) And soon afterwards, she was joined by Christine and Leia, who Clemence had decided they should go there as well, be taken off the kind of family members and and be sent to this orphanage. And she intended that they would remain there until they were 15 when they could go into employment. Now, I think that this orphanage kind of worked. I think it's called an orphanage, but it's not really an orphanage. It's like more of a kind of convent for young girls sort of thing. Okay. Or somewhere to kind of send girls that were kind of unwanted rather than ones that weren't, that didn't have any parents. But known for its strict discipline and... um Yes. Hmm. Yes, but I think Clemence still had some sort of kind of authority over the girls. She didn't kind of hand that totally over to the orphanage. Okay. So in 1918, Amelia decided to enter a convent. Um, So apparently she enjoyed the brutality and the discipline and decided to (laughs) carry that on in the convent. And that effectively ended her relations with her family. Okay. Um, and as far as it can be kind of ascertained, she lived out the remainder of her life in the convent and it's not thought that the other sisters really had anything to do with her again. Right. During Christine's time at the orphanage, she as, well, as she stated that she received a calling to be a nun, but her mother forbade this and instead decided that she should go into employment because she was still of an age where someone's had that decision. Christine had been trained in various household duties while she'd been at the convent, which helped her get uh, a job as a live-in maid. She was described as a hard worker and a good cook, but who could be insubordinate at times. And Leia, who um, was also at the convent but was going into work as well, was described as quiet, introverted and obedient, but was considered less intelligent than Christine. Employers Mm. that they worked for were really content with their work. However... Clemence wasn't satisfied with how much the girls were earning because they were sending it back home to their mother and she wanted more money so she was forcing them to seek better paid opportunities. The sisters worked as maids in various houses in Le Mans and they preferred to work together whenever possible. Yeah yeah. Now some sources claim Hmm. that they were potentially lovers in an incestuous relationship And it is said that they would regularly visit a fortune teller in the town who said that they were husband and wife in a previous life. So um, take from that what you will. But their relationship was, (laughs) um, let's say, unconventional. (laughs) But some evidence states that they they weren't just sisters. But they, they hadn't really spent a huge amount of time together because they'd obviously been separated when they were so little, kind of put together again and separated out again. But trying to work together when they could. So in 1926, Christine found a live-in position as a maid at 6 or 6 
Rue <laughs> Bruyere for the Lancelin family. Uh, Monsieur René Lancelin was a retired solicitor and his wife, Madame Leonie Lancelin, and their younger daughter, Genevieve, lived in the house. Their elder daughter was married and Genevieve was kind of in her 20s. She wasn't, you know, a child. She was a grown up. After a few months of excellent service, Christine convinced Madame Lancelin to hire her sister, Leia, as a chambermaid. Okay, yeah. The two girls dedicated their lives to working long days and doing their job. They did kind of 14-hour days every day, but they had half a day off on a Sunday to go to church. So they were kind of long, hard days that they were working. Mm -hmm. However, by kind of outside accounts, the family treated them really well. They ate the same food as the family. They lived in a heated room. They were paid standard wages and they had a balcony which was quite a bonus and that apparently they were excellent workers and the Mm -hmm. Lancelins were the envy of every kind of French upper class household for having such dedicated and hard-working domestic help they weren't going out trying to find suitors they weren't going out doing extracurricular things they were literally just living in the house and spending the rest of the time in their room together wow can you get them to come around to your place that'd be great well i don't know i don't know if i'd want them to be there Ah, okay (laughs) however not all was well in the lanston household as they had a bit of a weird relationship with their employers for example neither of them had ever spoken to renee lanston in the entire seven years that they worked there they were given orders by his wife, and even then, she only communicated through written directions. Um, Bizarre. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah, she didn't really talk to them. <laughs> she was down to an Abbey, they talked to their staff. And... <laughs> yeah, well, apparently not in this house. <laughs> okay. Leone was also a woman that demanded perfection, and she routinely performed white glove tests on furniture to confirm that things had been dusted and were, you know, to the high standard that she required. Some years after Christine and Leia started working for the family, Madame Leone developed depression and the girls became the target of her mental illness. And she Uh began to really scrutinise the cleaning even more than she already had done and became really critical of the jobs done. There were various occasions of her physically assaulting the girls. And at its peak, she would kind of slam their heads against the wall if they hadn't done a good enough job. And one time she noticed a piece of a little kind of scrap of paper on the floor that hadn't been picked up by one of the girls. And she kind of pinched her to the point where she like drew blood to kind of force her to to pick up this this tiny scrap of paper. You didn't just have to go to a convent for brutality and uh, no <laughs> harsh discipline then. <laughs> no, she, the, apparently her life of servitude was bringing that to her as yeah. well. So on the evening of Thursday, February the 2nd, 1933, Monsieur Lancelin was supposed to meet Madame Leonie and Genevieve for dinner at the home of a family friend or potentially their brother-in-law, depending on which source you read. Madame Leonie and Genevieve had been out shopping for the day Mm -hmm. and they returned home to kind of drop off their bags or get changed before going out for dinner. When they got home, obviously it was, it was February, so it had been dark outside, and there yep. were no lights on in the house, which they thought was a bit strange. So the, when, the, when they kind of went in, the Papine sisters explained to Leonie that the power outage had been caused by Christine plugging in a faulty iron that she'd been to collect that day, but it still hadn't been fixed, fixed properly. And when she plugged it back in, it kind of blew all the electrics in the house. And they thought, seeing as the family were going to be out, they wouldn't worry about sorting it out until the next day. This caused 
uh, Leonie, Madame Lancelin, to become irate. Um, oh and she attacked the sisters on the first floor landing. This is a step too far for the girls. So Christine then found a pewter jug and smashed it onto Madame Leone's head, mm-hmm. um, which led Genevieve to come to her mother's defence and attack Christine. Infuriated, Christine allegedly shouted, I'm going to massacre them. She then lunged at Genevieve and gouged her eyes out. Leia Ooh. joined in the struggle and attacked Madame Lancelin, gouging out her eyes, as ordered by Christine. Christine ran downstairs to the kitchen where she retrieved a knife and a hammer, and she brought the weapons upstairs where they continued their attack. They carried on using the heavy kind of pewter pitcher jug yeah. and used that to kind of bash in the heads of both of the women. And in the midst of the rage, they mutilated the bottoms and thighs of both victims. And experts who later, like, literally kind of just, like, cut them up. Um, And there's some photos that um, I can share on Instagram. Literally just, like, totally cut up, basically, um, with the knife. The experts who responded later estimated that the attack had lasted about two hours. So it was quite a prolonged attack. Quite quite an example of overkill, I think you'd probably say. Just driven... To the point where their rage overtook them. Yeah. So sometime later, Monsieur Lancelin returned home to find yeah. the house dark. And he assumed that his wife and daughter had left for the dinner party. So he didn't bother going in. He noticed the house was dark. He thought, oh, they're probably just already gone. I'll just meet them there. When he arrived at the home of the party, he found that his family wasn't there either, which he thought was a bit concerning. Yep. So he decided to go home. And he went home with his son-in-law at approximately half past six or seven o'clock where they discovered that the entire house was still in darkness from the outside, apart from a flickering candlelight coming from the Pepin sisters' room in the attic they could mm-hmm. see from the window. The front door was bolted shut from the inside, so they couldn't get in. Um, and the two men found this suspicious, that mm. the, the family weren't there, the door was bolted, all the lights were out. Where were they? And they so they can't went, get into their own house. Can't get into their own house, so they went to get the police. Together with the policemen, they tried again to get into the house, but they, they couldn't. So the policemen managed to get in by climbing over the garden wall and getting in kind of around the back. Once inside, he first noticed what he thought was a white marble on the stairs, kind of catching his torch. But on further inspection, he realised that it was an eyeball. Ooh, lovely. They then went on to discover the bodies of Madame Lancelin and her daughter Genevieve. They'd both been bludgeoned and stabbed to the point of being unrecognisable. They couldn't tell them apart from their faces. Wow. Madame Lancelin's eyes had been gouged out and were found kind of wrapped around her neck in the folds of her scarf. And one of Genevieve's eyes was found under her body to go with the other one that the policeman had found on the stairs nearby. Their dresses had been pulled up over their heads so that they could see the kind of wounds on their legs. And Madame Lancelin had been smeared with her daughter's menstrual blood. It is said that the bodies had been treated as if they were meat being prepared for the kitchen. So, you know, kind of almost like basted Mm -hmm. and kind of cut up, ready to kind of be cooked, essentially. Thinking that the Pepin sisters had met the same fate, because Mm -hmm. obviously they'd, they'd come to this house, they'd found these two women totally massacred, assuming that it had been an intruder. The policeman tried to to get upstairs to to find out if if the sisters were were okay. 
but they found the door to their room locked. After an officer knocked and received no response, he summoned a locksmith to open the door, where inside the room they found the Papin sisters in bed together. Some people say naked, some people say in robes. Depends which authors you read. Um, Together with a bloody hammer with hair still clinging to it on a chair nearby. The sisters immediately confessed to the killing and they were taken away by the police. So they claimed that this murder had been committed in self-defence. And whilst they were on trial, the sisters protected each other and they each confessed sole responsibility for the crimes that had been committed. So Christine said that she did it and Leia had nothing to do with it and Leia said that she did it and Christine had nothing to do with it. The sisters were placed in prison and separated from each other where Christine became extremely distressed because she couldn't see Leia. And at one point, prison officials relented and allowed the two sisters to meet, which obviously was of great joy to them both. Yeah. In July 1933, Christine experienced a fit or an episode in which she tried to gouge her own eyes out and had to be Mm. put in a straitjacket. She then made a statement to the investigating magistrate in which she said that on the day of the murders, that's exactly what had happened. She had experienced an episode like that one, like the one she'd had in prison. Um, And that's what kind of caused the murders to happen. So the sister's lawyer pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity on behalf of both of them. Christine and Leia demonstrated several signs of mental illness, such as limiting eye contact and staring straight ahead, kind of always appearing to be in a daze. At one point, Leia claimed to be deaf and dumb, which she wasn't, but um, kind of claimed to be. And the court appointed three doctors to administer psychological evaluations of the sisters to figure out what was going on. Yeah. They, however, concluded that the sisters had no mental disorders and deemed them sane and fit to stand trial. They also believed that, you know, their affection for each other was based on family ties and it wasn't um, an incestuous incestuous relationship as others had suggested. Okay. However, during the September 1933 trial, medical testimony noted that there was a history of mental illness in the family. Their uncle had died by suicide. And their cousin was living in, a, in an asylum. And I think it's quite clear to say that their mother probably had some sort of mental illness for how mm-hmm. she treated them treated and how them, she dealt yeah. with things in the past. And the psychological community struggled and debated for ages over a kind of diagnosis of what, what was wrong with them, basically. And after much consideration, they decided that Christine and Leia suffered from folie deux, which is shared paranoid disorder, basically which is believed to occur when groups or pairs of people are isolated from the world, developing kind of paranoia or madness between them, and in which one partner dominates the other and kind of leads them astray into doing things because they're so kind of removed and isolated from the rest of the world. Okay. Almost like a two-person cult. (laughs) Yeah, sort of, yeah. And this is especially true of Leia, whose meek personality was overshadowed um, by the much more dominant christine mm-hmm. her elder sister so after the trial jurors took 40 minutes to determine that the Papine sisters were guilty of the crime and of, of this murder of leonie and genevieve yeah but leia who was thought to be under the influence of her older sister was given a 10-year sentence and christine was initially sentenced to death at the guillotine however that sentence was later commuted to life in prison okay 
But once again, being separated from her sister proved to be too much for Christine and her condition deteriorated rapidly. She'd written various letters kind of pleading to be with her sister and had bouts of depression and and madness, eventually refusing to eat. She was transferred to a mental institution in Rennes, uh, hoping that she would benefit from professional help. However, as she was still separated from her sister, she continued to starve herself until she died of cachexia, which is basically wasting away on the 18th of May, 1937. So she'd have been, what, 32? Yeah. Very old. And she was, what, about four years into her sentence? Three or four years into her? Yeah. And she was the one that was given 10 years? No, she was She was the one who was given life. In oh, she was the one who was given life, right, okay. Yeah. So Leia, the younger sister who was given the 10 years, fared much better than Christine. She served eight years of her 10-year sentence due to good behaviour. And after her release in 1941, she lived in the town of Nantes, where she was joined by her mother. She assumed a false identity and earned a living as a hotel maid. And some accounts state that she died in 1982, but a French film producer claims to have discovered her living in a hospice in 2000 while creating a film called Enquête de Sœur Papine, which basically means In Search of the Papine Sisters. Okay. And he claimed the woman he claimed to be Leia had suffered a stroke, which had rendered her partially paralysed and unable to speak. And then she died in 2001. And there's a photo of this woman, and she does look a lot like the younger version of mm-hmm. Leia. So that, that, that could have been her. So that wasn't, I say that wasn't that long ago. It was 21 years ago, 2001, which is a bit terrifying. But uh, <laughs> she, she didn't die. Was she younger? Was Leia? Slightly, yes. Yeah. She was born in 1911. So she was still, you know, kind of, she was 89, I think, when she yeah, died. Okay. So it could be, if it was 2001, then yeah, she uh, yeah. could have been her. Yeah. And she'd lived, you know, she, so she was released in. 1941 when she was 30 so she had the rest of her life to kind of rebuild the sisters are buried together in the cemetery boutieri in Nantes. okay Um, so they have been reunited wow they had a tough tough start to their lives didn't they with that mother yeah and being (laughs) Being sent sent to to the convent place for young women and and, and then they're isolated any... almost yeah. in that house. I mean, you never hear good stories coming out of convents and orphanages, do you? Or, you know, stories of, of children being treated really well. That's not the sort of thing that you hear. So I don't suppose that it was a particularly pleasurable experience for either of them in there. And then being put into kind of service at age 15, they didn't really know anything else, did they? No, and especially um, if they never even talked to the employers. No, and they just talked to each other and yeah. almost kind of you know, created their own little world. And then yeah, if they were no being really badly treated, I guess they were going to church, but you don't know how much kind of interaction they were having with the other parishioners. If they were, you know, working 14 yeah. hours a day and just sat out at the house one day a week or, you know, one half day a week half and a then week. working hard. So it's almost slavery, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Whether they're getting paid or not. Well, they were because they were sending the money back, weren't they? But, uh... Yeah. But even yeah. so, it's uh, not a, not much of a life. No, not at all. And then Sorry. being kind of worn down by these people mm. over time, and then they just snapped. But they snapped in quite a... Um, yeah, what's this business with the eyes? I know, that's creepy, isn't it? Yeah. Like, pulling out people's eyes while they were still alive, essentially. Oof. I mean, we know from our experience of um, 
post-mortem life. How difficult, <laughs> How difficult it, it is to get eyes out, out. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they must have had something sharper than those scissors that we had. Or just pure rage behind them. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't need you don't really need something sharp for eyes, do you? Don't you just gouge them out like a spoon or something or bare yeah, fingers true, yeah. or so, I suppose. But uh, yeah, rage would probably do it. Yes. And wow. then just yeah, how brutally they were the bodies were massacred. Yeah. Um, they must have had a lot of rage in a lot them. of rage, yeah. From and it sounds very much like Christine was the ringleader. Yeah. Kind of telling Leia what to do. And she's the one that suffered for not being with Leia. Yeah. Um, yeah Whereas Leia didn't seem was... to mind too much. So no, <laughs> no, no reports of her kind of, yeah. And in all, yeah, she she got on with her life afterwards, didn't she? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, had a, had a whole other life after her sister died and she'd served yeah. her time for <laughs> murdering this family. Wow, well, that's a really interesting story. Really interesting story. Thank you. Wow. Well, I've got a good French old time me story. Yep. <laughs> that um, pretty gruesome. But like a gruesome one, but with some interesting questions, I think, around mental health. Were they mentally ill yeah. or was it more about the fact that they'd been exploited, you know, working 14 hour days every day? Had they just been like kind of wound down? Is it to do with class? You know, they're from yeah. a, a lower social class than the, the influence people of are the parents, for, the influence of the parents, the influence of their childhood, the influence of how they were treated or where they were kind of brought up. All sorts of attachment issues, I would assume. <laughs> yeah. Definitely issues there, which probably yeah. in no small way played a part in in their actions. Yeah. It just makes you wonder, really. I mean, how how many how many murders that people do commit and for which people are serving time, their prison sentences, whatever, down to mental health issues that mm. if they got treatment rather than punishment or whatever, they they may have taken a different course. Yeah. I, I mean, some some murders are out and out for greed or whatever, in which case, yeah, there probably is a strong motive there in there but um yeah i mean we've covered so many people on this podcast who have had a really unconventional upbringing or a really traumatic childhood or something's happened to them really significant in their childhood and they've gone on to kind of commit horrific crimes so you have to wonder are the two things linked together or are they not is it just coincidental is it more of the kind of environment that they were in where those awful things were kind of allowed to happen that just kind of normalised the fact that they could go off and kill people when they grew up? Mm. Um, or is it just the sort of people that they are? Is it just... I guess it's a bit of nature-nurture, isn't it? Yes. I don't, mental health awareness is certainly getting better over the last it is. Well, decade, couple of decades, perhaps. Than it but was. I saw this thing the other day that made me think, it said, you know, our awareness and acceptance of mental health issues is getting much better, but our understanding and acceptance of mental illness isn't. And right. I thought that was really interesting, actually, because it's true, isn't it? Like everything, you know, you know, make sure you're practicing self-care and looking after yourself and having a mental health day and things like that. But then actual mental illnesses are still quite 
stigmatized against really aren't they like people who've got severe depression or bipolar disorder or you know severe mental illness which some of the people that we have talked about have had i think there is still quite a long way to go with that yeah but no one talks about mental illness no they don't no and that's that was the kind of yeah yeah point that i was saying i read that thing the other day and it's true people don't talk about mental illness people don't talk about kind of yeah actual mental illness they talk about looking after your mental health but it's all a bit yeah a little bit <laughs> trying to avoid the stigma yeah like not actually addressing the issues of mental mm. illness and the fact that a lot of people suffer with mental illness compared to just poor mental health and i think they're two different things yeah yeah and as you say nature nurture in the in the, in the case of the Pepin sisters i would suggest that it was definitely nurture well yeah. then again though you said there was the history in the family, family history though. and that's why they didn't give him such a sentence because you know for, and why they took away her kind of death sentence death sentence because they decided there was enough there was you know there was mental illness in the family which could have impacted on them but that was nearly 100 years ago when they understood what they understood 100 years ago and i guess stuff's come a long way since then for what they understand but they but mental illness can run in families can't it and it can be genetic but then again that is the question of is that because it's something that's kind of programmed into you or is it because it's that's the environment that you're exposed to yeah if you're all nurtured the same way yeah. And you might get the same outcomes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm, interesting topic. So yeah. thank you very much for that. Now you say you've got a few pictures. There are some photos. Yeah, there's some pretty grisly ones of Ooh, okay. uh, Leonie and Genevieve chopped up. So I'll uh, I'll share them with her. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, there's some other photos of, of the sisters as well and yep. um, on trial things like that so yeah okay. i will share them on our social media pages i'll share them on instagram at dad and daughter do death uh facebook just look for dad and daughter do death and you can always get in touch with us by emailing us at dad and daughter do death at gmail.com thank you very much for listening hopefully you found this interesting yes thank um, you phoebe yeah. If you have it, please do leave us a, a review or a like or stars or anything like that on yeah. any of your podcast platforms. Yeah. Comment on our social media pages, send us emails. Yeah, it'd be really good to hear from you. Yes, definitely. Thank you again, Phoebe. And um, you're welcome. Join us again next time when dad and daughter do death.